Hey, what's up? Uh, there are so many topics that I could have covered today, and yet, realistically, there's just, yeah, there's just too many things to deal with. Um, we could be talking about the war in Afghanistan or anything like that, but at the end of the day, I don't really know that much about it. I just know that the Americans have been in there for 20 years, and... That's all I really know, and I saw people falling off planes, which looked really horrible, obviously. So, for some reason, I'm uh, I'm lagging on my end, so I hope that that's not, I hope that that's not uh, a problem all night. Gotta adjust my mic. I think my kids were down here touching my stuff today, because something fell over, and now it's just not quite right. You know? <clears throat> okay. Oh no. What is going on with all this lag? That is not awesome. Let's just see here, guys. Bear with me. I'm on the right network, so. It is what it is, I suppose. Okay, guys. So, I don't know if you saw this from the Post Millennial. It was originally reported by another uh news outlet and so i didn't i don't even know who this person is but we're gonna just look it up ourselves and check into it so check this out this from the post millennial oh wow new options again so the trudeau liberals banning unvaccinated canadians from travel violates privacy act says privacy commissioner that's good news right so I go to this article to scroll through it, and um, and yeah, if Cliff's on here, I didn't get an ad blocker yet. So all it really says that's relevant to to the privacy commissioner is this very first part, which is compulsory disclosure of personal medical information to access public services is a breach of the Privacy Act, according to the federal privacy commissioner. Uh, commissioner. And so it, it, this article though, it just goes on and it, uh, it just talks about what the liberals said about it. So that's, we kind of already know that information it doesn't really say much about the privacy commissioner. And so I didn't really know what the privacy commissioner was. So I decided that, uh, I would just check that out as well. So we're going to drop this. And I'm going to bring up the website of the Privacy Commissioner. The office of the Privacy Commissioner. Um, because that, I believe, is important to look at. So, guys, if you're in the comments sections, say hi. Uh, you know, comment in the chat. Like and share, please. Obviously. Um as usual that would be very helpful for me um so yeah the office of the privacy commissioner is this the office of the privacy commissioner of canada provides advice and information for individuals about protecting personal information we also enforce two federal privacy laws that set out the rules for how federal government institutions and certain businesses must handle personal information Learn more about our office and the strategic privacy priorities guiding our work. So they are there to enforce two specific laws. Uh, let's see here. I think it's this one. Yeah, and so the Office of the Privacy Commissioner is responsible for overseeing two federal privacy laws. The Privacy Act which covers the personal information handling practice of federal government departments and agencies and the Personal Information Protection and Electronic Documents Act, PIPEDA now. It used to be just PIPA. Which covers the personal information handling practices of businesses. So, basically, this office came out and said you cannot do this now i don't know what kind of impacts that have hey josiah how's it going man so i don't know what kind of impacts that would have 
Um, it is honestly, it is amazing to me that it is Wednesday night, my normal night now. And I made a Facebook post saying I'd be live streaming and it at, Facebook actually sends you a, sends you an icon when you type anything like that. And they're like, do you want to make this an event? And then you say no to it. And I swear to you that if, when I do that, that my live stream is lower than usual. It, I don't know. I, I, maybe not everything is a conspiracy to destroy you. Maybe, maybe not, but it, it really does seem like it. Honestly, like, you know, I can't prove it, but it just really seems like it. Hey, Phoebe, I am great. What is, no, I did not say hi to Siri. What is happening here? I am not sure what's happening here. Why? What is happening here? So, it's playing music through my, uh, through my, that was, I don't know if everyone else could just hear that music cut in, but, uh, yeah, when conspiracies are no longer conspiracies, yeah, basically everything becomes a conspiracy, right? And, 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 and that's my issue is everything becomes a conspiracy, uh, or everything just becomes credible, right? I say I'm I'm going live later. Facebook asks me if I want to set it up as an event, and then all of a sudden my event is suppressed, right? Like that because I, I didn't do what they wanted. You know what I mean? That's how it seems, right? So there is um, there is so much going on. But anyway, guys, uh, uh, who knows? Maybe these comments were loading in. They they all seem to be loading in now. So who knows? I feel like I'm lagging or something, but it, it is what it is. We're just going to keep pushing through. So look up the Office of the Privacy Commissioner and look for that article or more information if you want on what why that's important that that person uh, came out and said that they're breaking the law. The liberals would be breaking the law if they do this. So... I don't know what kind of, I don't know if that's good news or if it even matters at all. I don't know. I, I couldn't find too much information about it, honestly. And so something I want to show you, as usual, we have to get Dina Hinshaw's Twitter feed up again. <sighs> even though we don't want to, because who wants to look at Dina Hinshaw's Twitter feed, right? Um, literally nobody, I think. What is how? Oh, look at that. Hey, I can just fly all over the screen and i like this actually this is nice this is a nice setup we're gonna go with this camera angle for now thank you guys for commenting it really does help so look at this look at this tweet right maybe we'll uh we'll enlarge it so it says over the past 24 hours we completed about 9,200 tests and ID'd 689 new cases. 74% are unvaccinated and 10% are partially vaccinated. How, at this point, how are they still convincing unvaccinated people to go get tested in this mention? Many numbers. Like, how is that possible? But anyway, so it says. 74% are unvaccinated and 10% are partially vaccinated. Now, what's interesting is in her initial comment box up at the top, it does not talk about the fully vaccinated. It only says 10% are partially vaccinated and it avoids the last part. But thankfully... Uh, you don't have to do the math on your own. It's down in this icon. So they weren't totally hiding it from you, but it is interesting to me that she typed out the first two statistics and not the last one, which is that the fully vaccinated make up 16% of all cases, uh, currently in Alberta. So 16% are fully 
10% are partially. Looks like you're doing better right now if you're only partially vaccinated, I guess. It's really interesting, hey? Uh, Elaine says she had COVID. She's not vaccinated. And at 66, is still alive and kicking. God numbers my days, not man, beast, or demon. Amen to that. Just two weeks to flatten the curve. The good old days they were. (laughs) No, it's now six weeks to flatten the curve in Alberta. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I've talked about it already. Actually, I have a video of it on Rumble. Go follow me on Rumble. It is Devin Davis on Rumble. Go follow me there. Because now when I make uh, pre-recorded videos, I'm only uploading them to Rumble and then posting the link to Facebook. Because I am not making short, choppy videos for YouTube to immediately pull down and wreck. So please, please go subscribe to me on Rumble. So Phoebe asks, how can you be partially vaccinated? Well, you get two shots, right? So basically... That's just the people that have one shot. Partially vaccinated means you have one shot. Right. So. What else did I have in the tank tonight for? Uh, for this. Ah, yes. So now. You know, that was pretty short. But now we can move on to something important. Which is the Gospel Coalition putting their foot in their mouth yet again. So there's a new Gospel Coalition article called There's No Such Thing as Virtual Church. Real quickly, Ruth says, Antibody testing is available for $84. Uh, Yes, I actually do know about that. In Alberta, you can go get antibody testing for $84. From a private lab, so go check it out. Anyway, let's bring up the old TGC article. Now, this is not Gospel Coalition Canada, but it is pretty hilarious. As usual, without any sense of irony, TGC has titled itself an article called There's No Such Thing as Virtual Church. Isn't that awesome? They sound like uh, Grace Life Church. Sounds like they're about to get ready to preach a sermon to call uh, call Christians back to church. Now, obviously, we've never done other virtual church. We've never said there's no such thing as virtual church. I don't know if that's ever actually been said in a sermon or not. But the point, and we do we do virtual live stream for for everybody now. Well, I think we'll be doing that forever now. Or as long as we exist. But that's just for people who can't make it that day, right? We should be going to church. So, Gospel Coalition is right. There's no such thing as virtual church. Fantastic. COVID-19 pandemic was challenging for churches around the world. Precisely because, in so many places, the saints had difficulty gathering and learning to cherish the word of God together. After a few months of not gathering during the early days of COVID-19, I felt as if I were losing track of my church. Friends would ask, how's your church doing? I had a hard time answering. I was making regular phone calls and sending text messages to individual members, but I couldn't get my mind around the whole body. The church felt like rainwater on a parking lot after a storm spread thin with puddles here and there. The elders worried most about spiritually weak members who are struggling in their faith or facing particular temptations. We worried about those who already seemed to be drifting spiritually. Those with one foot out the door months before the pandemic forced them out altogether. So, what would have been really cool is for these broken people, you could have said that uh, the church would remain open. And uh, we would not forsake the gathering as is the habit of some, right? That's what you could have done. You could have stayed open and pushed back. And if every faithful Bible-believing church did that in Canada, 
then they wouldn't have been able to do anything because there would have been too many churches to deal with. But instead, you guys have to write this article. Anyway, now, you have to write the article now, after months of softly pushing against people like me. Anyway, let's see here. Oh, what are we missing? Once the pandemic began, many churches live streamed their services and many voices extolled the enduring value of virtual church. Pastors who had previously decried the idea now opened up virtual campuses and staffed them with full-time pastors, promising that the campuses would continue indefinitely. This was an exciting development in the history of fulfilling the Great Commission, some said. Yeah, and those people were wrong. Um, see how it's celebrated? It seems like it's being celebrated that these people changed their mind about virtual church. No, those people were right, but they were trying to meet a need, which was that a whole bunch of people thought that they couldn't go to church. But maybe, just maybe, you could have told your members that it was safe, but instead you kneeled to Caesar and acted like there was a pandemic that was dangerous when there wasn't. So, and yet we wonder what goes missing when your church, he does church experience, is nothing more than a weekly live stream. For starters, you think less about your fellow members. Absolutely. They don't come to mind. You don't bump into them and have the quick conversations that lead to longer conversations over dinner. Amen. Beyond that, you remove yourself from the path of encouragement, accountability, and love. Praise God that we can download biblical truth, but let's praise God that the Christian life is more than just an information transfer. When church is only online, we can't feel, experience, and witness those truths becoming enfleshed in the family of God, which both fortifies our faith and creates cords of love between brothers and sisters. Virtual church is an oxymoron. Wow. Wow. And the Gospel Coalition, specifically the one in Canada, sat back and watched us be punished. And now this is the type of content that they're putting out. Unbelievable. Basically begging for their members to come back to their churches. Because they're not coming back. They've either left. Realized they don't like going to church. Or they're now going to a church like Grace Life. Because they picked a church. That won't kneel to Caesar. So they're not coming back. You can keep writing articles, TGC, but they're not coming back. They don't want anything to do with you anymore. Sorry. <laughs> like, oh, Think about it. Maybe you struggle with hidden hatred toward a brother all week, but then his presence at the Lord's table draws you to conviction and confession. You struggle with suspicion toward a sister, but then you see her singing. <sighs> I'm yawning a lot. You see her singing the same songs of praise, and your heart warms. You struggle with anxiety over what's happening politically in your nation. But then the preacher declares Christ's coming in victory and vindication. You hear shouts of amen all around you, and you recall that you belong to a heavenly citizenry allied in hope. You're tempted to keep your struggle in the dark, but then the older couple's tender but pressing question over lunch... How are you really draws you into the light. So th this article is a fantastic real life description of everything that we've been saying. And so now that you're double vaxxed, you can have real church again. We're opening our doors. That's what they're saying. We're open now. Come back. We want you back now. Um, and here's these, here's this, actually awesome explanation as to why you should come back and here's the kicker this is awesome none of this can be experienced virtually amen 
God made us physical and relational creatures. Christian life and church life cannot finally be downloaded. They must be observed, heard, stepped into, and followed. Timothy needed to watch his life and doctrine since both would be crucial to saving himself and his hearers. So, um, Christian life and church life cannot finally be downloaded. They must be watched, heard, stepped into, and followed. Interesting. So, basically, if you keep going through this article, you will see really good arguments as to why you should go back to church. And I mean, I give them credit for that, but but I don't I don't feel like you're following this for the last year. So this is good. Virtual church is not church, but only if you've been double vaccinated. Now, he's not saying that. He doesn't bring up vaccines. But my point is simply that these people are now telling you to return to church now that Caesar is allowing you basically to go back to your respective church buildings, right? Where did I get the CBC shirt, Nathan? Well, I got it from Resistance Coffee Company, of course. Hey? Nathan's wondering about my... About my CBC shirt. Defund the CBC. Resistance Coffee, Nathan. Uh, I know you uh, said that it's a little expensive. So there's good news. You can order a Defund the CBC shirt... And if you use the discount code Davis at checkout off your first order, you'll save 10%. Throw in a bag of coffee. Do yourself a favor. Get that free shipping, Nathan. I know it's in you. I know you want it. Yeah. So, there's some good stuff on here. Oh. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> Oh, we've got some good comments. But go to Walmart, Costco, and the mall anytime. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh... Antibodies, okay. I personally believe that the Vax, this is a comment I'm reading, the Vax is way to make rich people and pharma companies richer. In the States, they are saying that Vax people will need booster shots every six months forever. Yeah, and that's... That's true. That's been talked about for a very long time. It's all sunshine and roses after the fact. They caved at the time when they should have been the strongest. How will they act, react if the government tries to pull this uh, nonsense again? They'll do the same thing, right? Well, it's time to go back into your cave. It's time to get that live stream going again. It'll be endless lockdowns, right? For a lot of places, it will be endless lockdowns. So, it is what it is. What is happening here? Oh, I see. There we go. Flipping through comments. So, guys, uh, well, this issue keeps coming up over and over again i have a former member of grace life church directing traffic to my youtube page and my facebook page and they're coming in there to fight with me all the time but of course that person has blocked me so that i can't see what he's saying about me so people send me screenshots of him talking about me online and we deal with those arguments. And of course, what it has to do with is the Lordship of Christ at the point of salvation. What does that mean? What does the Lordship of Christ at the point of salvation mean? It means that when you are convicted of your sin and you turn to Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, you cannot do anything but acknowledge Christ as Lord of your life. That's why you no longer want to sin anymore. 
That's why you want to turn from your sin. And so we always kind of go to the same sections of the Bible, stuff like that. But I was reading today, and my reading plan, just it's always, there's so much. It is amazing to me how relevant the sections that I'll be reading are just in my daily reading plan. As I'm reading them, things come up. And so what do we see in the Old Testament over and over again? It is never, it is never about the works earning you a trip to heaven, right? Getting you saved. It's not about your works. It never was. You do works out of obedience. So what can obedience be replaced with? Belief. Obedience is how you show your belief. Figure this out. It's important. Don't come in here and tell me some nonsense about front-loading the gospel with works when I say repent of your sin. That is obedience, which is part of your belief. When you believe you will obey, it doesn't no, it doesn't mean you're perfect. Stop accusing stop accusing us of sinless perfectionism. It is nonsense. Stop it. No one's saying that. No one's saying you're gonna be perfect. The point is is if you have a view of soteriology, salvation, that is, believes in God's sovereignty over everything and the election of his people, you will understand that this is a necessary component of your true belief. Why? Because it is a work of God. You can only obey and respond as a miraculous gift from God. God changes your heart when he saves you, and then you want to obey him. I had, and maybe he'll watch this one, I had a 15-year-old kid from Calgary, I believe, I actually need to message the pastor of the church he's going to, and tell him what I told him to make sure that that pastor agrees, make sure I've set this young guy on the right path, but he got freaked out by the, some of the comments on my YouTube channel. He said, well, what if, what if they are teaching work salvation? I said, no, man, they're not. I promise you, but go check what I am saying against scripture. So, oh, Elaine says the commenter needs to enroll in a discipleship program. You don't need discipleship. You just need, this is what they say. Repentance means changing of mind, which is technically true. But changing your mind about what? In the context of salvation, it's your sin. You repent of your sin. You don't want to sin anymore. You're filled with remorse. You beat your breast and you can't look up because you're so upset and grieved by your sin. And you say, Jesus, please forgive me. Why is that bad? That is the point at which you've been saved. That's what happens when you are saved. Josiah is, uh, yeah, it is God that works in you to do, to, uh, sorry, it is God that works in you to will and do his good pleasure. Now check this out. I'm going to go to Jeremiah 7. And then there's some other similar references. Jeremiah 7. God is giving a message to Jeremiah for Judah specifically. And he literally says, don't even bother praying for these people right now. They're, they have made me mad. My wrath will burn against them. No, if Elaine says, 
to clarify my comment, the commenter commenter is not being Christ-like. Jesus is not a troll. I agree. So, one one thing I will say is one of the commenters, in his defense, uh, I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. It's on one of my videos. It wasn't even on a video where I was talking about this topic. He just directed the guy who has a problem with me. Just directed directed people to it, right? So this one this one gentleman or woman that commented actually seems like they're legitimately concerned about my soul. They weren't looking for a fight. They seemed like they were genuinely worried about my view of repentance for me. They were worried that I was adding works to the gospel. And you know what? I'm actually thankful for that. I think that they're wrong. But this person seemed to actually show legitimate concern for me. And so I'm thankful for that. Thank you for being concerned for me. I'm not adding work to the gospel. I'm not. And look, so Jeremiah 7, and if you start in verse 16, you're going to see that God is a very, hi, hi, we the free. Tammy, it rhymes. So, Jeremiah 7, 16 starts. It's a good spot to start, I think. As for you, this is Jeremiah, do not pray for this people and do not lift up, cry, or prayer for them. And do not intercede with me, for I do not hear you. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? Like, there is some anger behind this. Don't even bother praying for them. Are you not seeing what these people are doing? What my alleged people are doing right now? Listen, the children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods in order to spite me. No wonder, no wonder God is angry. No wonder. So, one thing you see here is this, is that they're making these cakes for the for the queen of heaven, some goddess of some sort. I'm sure she has a name. I, I, I didn't look into that. But what is interesting about this is that the fathers gather the wood. The chill or sorry, the children gather the wood. The fathers kindle the fire and the and the wives make the bread. Every member of the family is involved in this idolatry. The children are involved right up to the father being involved in the process of making these food sacrifices to an idol, right? So God documents that, that the entire family is involved. Pour out their drink offerings to other gods in order to spite me. So the NKJV, this is the NASB, the NKJV there says to provoke me. So everywhere we see spite, it's going to say to provoke me in the NKJV. I just thought it was interesting because it's, it feels like it has a different, feels like it has a different vibe to it. Uh, like a, it would have a different emphasis. Okay. Not vibe. <laughs> So he goes on, do they spite me, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves they spite to their own shame? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, on man and on beast and on the trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. So God God is going to lay waste to this place. And those who don't repent will be caught up in this. Right? Those who don't turn to God will be caught up in this. But what's important is in the context, what you're going to see is that it's those who do not obey him are going to be, are going to be punished. That's who's going 
to be punished. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. So what's interesting here is that God has commanded his people in the Old Testament um, with burnt offerings and sacrifices, right? So what's what's going on here? Is it just that he didn't do it right off the very bat? Is that what it says? Because it was in the day that he did it? I don't think that's what that means. Now, I don't speak Hebrew, but look. Listen, think about this. I didn't command this of them. Well, what did he command? But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and you will walk in all the way which I command you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. And so... The last part is just for context filler, but what is happening there? What did God command? God commanded that his people should obey him. He doesn't, so when he's saying that he didn't command them to do burnt, uh, burnt, burnt offerings and sacrifices, he did. But what he's saying is, is that what he desires is for them to obey him. The whole point is that they obey his voice. So if part of obeying that is offering sacrifices, then yes, that is a good thing because God, or sorry, burnt offerings and sacrifices because God has given it to them. But why? Because you are hearing God's voice and you want to obey him. That's why you would do that. Not to fulfill an empty religious obligation while you are an idolater every other day of the week, but on the Sabbath, you go to the temple and you offer sacrifices, right? God demands that you obey, and there are plenty of verses that confirm what I'm saying. So belief is obedience. Your belief looks like obedience, that's all we're saying. So when it's repent of your sin for the forgiveness of your sin, repent and turn to Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Turn from your sins, turn to Christ. You don't want to sin anymore when you've been saved by Jesus. Doesn't mean you won't. It means you don't want to. It means you're constantly being sanctified and after that point, you desire to work, not because you're trying to earn salvation, but because you love the God who saved you. You are his humble servant now. You are his humble slave now. He owns you, but you love him. And so you want to do what he obeys. When you have a good leader at work, this is a weak example, but when you have a good leader at work who is fair and reasonable and has helped you when you've been in trouble, you want to do a good job because it makes him look good, right? What kind of follower of Christ wants to make Christ look bad? When I say that out loud, it makes me sick because I know I've failed so much at making Christ look good, right? It should bother us deeply that we go out and we claim to be Christians and we don't make them look good, we should be ashamed of ourselves. And there's an entire group of alleged believers saying that it's not important to go out and make Christ look good. Essentially saying that you can be saved and do whatever you want. And some of them don't think that. They'll, they'll backtrack when you say that. But functionally, it is antinomianism. It is... Paul says, shall I keep on sinning so that grace may abound? May it never be. Right? What does that mean? 
may it never be means absolutely not. It is a forceful term. It is the Greek word megenita, and it is forceful. It is an absolutely not. The KJV translates it, God forbid, for forcefulness. Even though the word God isn't in the text, it's God forbid. Absolutely not. Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? Right? And so I have my other examples on my cell phone here um, because I didn't want to be flipping around. You know what? Actually, though, let's go. Uh, no, sorry. We'll deal with the Old Testament first, guys. So look at these other references. 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to, and, and to listen than the fat of rams. So what is more important than, than, and then doing the rituals that God has commanded us, obeying God and listening to him. How do you do that right now? What is the, basically the only way to do that right now? By reading God's word and listening to the preaching of God's word and then doing what it says. So for example, when Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering as is the habit of some, that's a command. You should want to go to church. Now, here's the thing. It's not, I was just explaining this to someone at work. It's not, oh, I, I need to do these good deeds. Uh, so if I go to church every week, I'll, I'll be fine, right? No. When you are saved, you want to be at church. You want to be with God's people. You want to worship God. You want to give him your all because he saved you. It doesn't mean you're going to do that, though. It doesn't mean you're going to do it perfect, right? Over and over again, over and over again, we have to deal with this topic. And I, I think this is going to be my thing forever. I think this is, this is my passion is this explaining this Lordship issue to people. I love it because it shows that the gospel has power to actually change you. It doesn't just save you. And you stay the same. Your belief in the gospel changes you. So let's look at 1 Samuel 15, 22. Right? It's saying the same thing. Obeying the voice of the Lord is more important than sacrifices. How do I make it more clear? How do we make it more clear to these people? Right? Right? Look at Hosea 6, 6. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So now what is interesting here? This takes out obey and instead, in this instance, uses steadfast love. God desires our steadfast love. Or our obedience. He uses them. He uses those kinds of things interchangeably. Because if you loved God, you would want to keep his commandments. That's what the Bible says over and over again. When you are saved, you desire to keep his commandments. And so one of the big concerns is that if you don't have the right soteriology you don't have the right doctrine of salvation you will always see this as front-loading the gospel well i'm not saying you will see it but it's more you it's not always but you're more likely to see this as front-loading the gospel with works because you're simply not understanding that it's all a work of god your turning from sin is a work of god at the point of salvation. Thank you for the six people that are still here. I know we just want to talk about politics, but this is so important. 
Obedience is grounded in our love for Christ. Exactly, Josiah. Because we're, should we not be overwhelmed with gratefulness, understanding that we are wicked sinners and that while we were still sinning against God, that he saved us? While we were still fornicating or whatever horrendous acts we were involved in, God saved us out of that and said, no, you're righteous and I love you. I love you even though you've sinned against me. And that is what we see with God's people in the Old Testament is that he's mad. He's going to pour out wrath on them and then come back to me come back to me over and over again the whole concept of hosea read hosea he's god tells him to marry a prostitute and the whole thing is an analogy for how god feels about israel and that he's going to call his people back and make them clean again even though they've defiled themselves and sinned against him it's an amazing thing. So, look, it keeps going. Look at this psalm. Psalm 51, 16 and 17. Hi, Lee, first of all. Just say hi. She just got here. And also, go back and watch this whole part later if you want. I, I think it's pretty good content, actually. So, look. Psalm 51, 16 to 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Now check it out. Again, what is put in there instead of obedience? A broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And Maybe Josiah, if you're there, you can get me the reference because Cliff's not here. But in the Gospels, Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee, the Jewish leader who goes to synagogue and prays and says, Lord, thank you for not making me like other men. And he is arrogant. He is literally praying and being thankful that he's better than other people. And then we see the tax collector who cannot even turn up his eyes to heaven because he is filled with remorse for what he's done. That is Psalm 51, 16. Jesus is pointing us to this Psalm and saying, that is what a follower of Christ looks like. A man on his knees with a broken and contrite heart for what? Because he understands that he's been forgiven and he doesn't deserve it because of all the evil that he's done. He's a tax collector, which is synonymous with the worst people in Jewish society. They hated them, right? Luke 18, thank you. So I I won't get there, but Josiah says it's Luke 18. Thank you, Josiah. I knew I read it just a couple days ago. So Luke 18. Read that parable for yourself and test what I'm saying. But I don't think there's any escaping this. God saves you. You turn from your sin. That's what belief looks like. Look at this proverb. It's right there. Proverbs 21.3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord then sacrifice. So this is going back to the same kind of thing to do righteousness and justice. Why would you do that? Because those who are able to do righteousness and justice are the only ones that truly love God because you're doing it to serve God and the sacrificial system. You could do that from a place of you trying to earn your way into heaven. The sacrificial system was there to point us to repentance, was there to point us to God, that we're hopeless, that we need a savior. That's what it was for. So 
Is there more? Yeah, oh, there is more. So now we're into the New Testament, but I really just wanted to stick to the Old Testament stuff. But we are going to do one more thing. We're at fit the 50-minute mark. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn. We're going to turn to James. Let's look at James. Now, James 4. Uh, hold on. Sorry, no. James 2. <laughs> James 2.14 and on. Is often used by pseudo-Christian groups to push the view that you are saved by your good deeds. Now, it does get tricky because there is a point where James says, James says, sorry, Josiah said James 4, no, James 2.14 and on, right? Oh, wait. Yeah, no, sorry. I got I got confused. Quit throwing from me for a loop, man. Quit throwing me for a loop. So Whoa oh. My screen just turned to night mode and went black, so it, it uh, threw me for a loop there. So guys. James two has a conflict in it because James literally uses the word you are justified of your works. Right? It says you're justified by your works. So obviously we don't believe that that is saying that you are saved by your works. James does not mean that. James does not use it. I believe the way that we explain this, and I am not a theologian. I am just passionate about the gospel. Um, but someone can correct me if I'm wrong. The way that James uses justified may just be a little different than how Paul's using it. And they're actually saying the same thing, right? So, but anyway, these cult groups, these cult groups, these pseudo-Christian groups love turning to James 2. When you say, I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, they go, what about James 2? It says you're saved by your works, right? And so... This is what I quote to these people, though. I quote James 2.14 and on to these people because I can deal with it. I can deal with what these verses say because it is, it is a little confusing. But they who say that there is no fruit, there is no fruit, there needs to be no fruit shown from a result of being saved... Um, what do they do with this verse, right? And so what they believe is that they call you a fruit inspector and this and that, and you're hyper judgmental and all this. And it's like, well, no, you need to turn from your sin. And the response is, 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 uh, or the result is that you're repentant about your sin and you want to follow God and keep his commandments and do what he says. That's your desire now because God has changed your desires to want to follow him. That's what happens when you're saved. Okay. Okay. So James two fourteen and Josiah says the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Of course. Right. So we can't just use this as a hammer to show that the Bible contradicts itself, but this is a perfect section to pull up to these people who say that fruit does not come immediately or we shouldn't be looking for fruit in believers. We shouldn't be worried about it kind of stuff. So what does it say? NASB James two fourteen and on what use is it? My brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food. And one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. So, if you believe and there are no works, 
It shows that you're not a believer. It is not saying that works. Uh, um, it is not saying that works are a condition for salvation. That's not what it's saying. We don't believe that. Stop accusing us of saying we believe that. So, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. So faith in action is desiring to do good deeds. A believer wants to do works. We want to do works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. There you go. Oh, you believe that God is one? How about this? You believe God's Trinitarian? That's awesome. But even the demons believe that. Even the demons believe that God is one. And it does not do anything to save them. So, you're you saying, well, I believe in Jesus. I've been saved by Jesus. And then you just carry on in your entire sinful lifestyle without any heart change? No. That's not real belief. Because real belief is accompanied by a love for God, a faithfulness to Him, and obedience. God demands obedience. This is coming from someone who has been so disobedient to God after he's saved. And you turn back to God and you say, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me again and again. And then you remember, I've been forgiven for all of this. And you, and you, and you realize that you just pick up and you keep going and you keep progressing in your sanctification. That's what happens. Right? That's it. So... Oh, it just keeps getting better and better. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Can't make it any more... I'm, what are we exegeting here? Nothing. Faith without works is useless. He says it, not me. It's James. Do you not believe James belongs should belong in the Bible? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. So, he proved that he was justified because, because God commanded him to do something and he was willing to do it. It didn't matter what that thing was. In this case, it happened to be sacrifice. But God commanded him. And out of obedience and faithfulness to God and a trust that after his son, whom he loved and he was promised, that he knew that God would somehow restore that child or still keep that promise. And so he was willing to do it because he believed that God keeps his promises and he believed that God... Um, was worth obeying and it and and only a believer does that right so that's what's happening there okay you see that faith was working with his works and as a result of the works faith was perfected and the scripture was fulfilled which says and abraham believed god and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of god you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, sorry, in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. And so James says plainly, that Abraham, sorry, where is it? Uh, in verse 24, it says, You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And so, what are we to do with that? That is the hard part right there, right? 
And um, this is one of those things that it does, it is confusing because James uses such a, it's so clearly translated and it sounds like the exact opposite of what Paul's saying. But based on the context, what it must be talking about is true faith is expressed by doing good works. True believers want to do good works. And, and so this concept of justification here is, is proof of justification. When we look at James 2, you're seeing proof of justification, not justification by works. You're seeing justification by faith, which leads to good works. Right? And then look, here's a warning for me who's constantly teaching the the Bible online now like like a fool and probably heaping judgment on himself. Keep this in mind. Chapter 3, this is just a bonus. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. So if you just go out there and you decide to be a for an AWOL teacher that's just speaking into the internet, you are acting as a teacher and you're heaping judgment on yourself. So you got to be very careful. I'm accountable for everything I've just said. And so hopefully I'm right. And so guys, we're at the hour mark here, so I'm going to log off. But you'll notice that I put another donate box down in the corner. Ah, you know what? Here's get your defund the CBC shirts from resistance coffee. Use my discount code at checkout on your first order. These now come in people's party purple, we'll call it. I'm sure that's not the actual color, but trust me, speaking to the owners, the reason they made these in purple now is because they wanted it to look like a PPC colored purple, which is the people's party of Canada. All right. And if you would like to donate to me, I just have a support my work icon, you know, um, if you think what I'm doing is worthwhile and you want to help me out and you want to keep me going, um, you can go to my link for Streamlabs in the description of this video on YouTube or on, uh, Facebook, or if you're listening to this as an audio later, I will, the link to my Streamlabs donate button is in the show notes on Spotify and whatever else it's uploaded to Spotify and Podbean. And if you put the RRS feed RSS feed into your podcast catcher, like Apple or whatever you want, you can donate through that link anytime you want. And I would really appreciate it. Lee, I am not in Calgary. I am in Edmonton. I am in Spruce Grove. And so, Again, and if you're Canadian, if you're Canadian, message the Facebook page. And if you want to send me an e-transfer directly, that's better. Because then we're bypassing all that garbage, right? One more thing I'll just bring up. Once again, uh, Mojo Diner is still under duress from AHS, even though we are months after restrictions being lifted. They are still under duress and having a hard time opening from AHS. So keep that in mind. Go help them. And Lee is asking and saying she is in Calgary. So Lee, do you attend Fairview Baptist Church? And if not, why not? Pastor Tim teaches the Bible. He's willing to stand on his convictions. And uh, he, he got arrested for his faith in Christ. Not for COVID. So, you know. How can I donate and bypass the garbage? Um, why not, uh, why not, if you message me, if you want to bypass Streamlabs, message me on Facebook. Um, I do not have Venmo. I have PayPal. So 
if you want to message me and get my PayPal directly, then, um, then, uh, then that will bypass the Streamlabs stuff, right? I can just send you that, and I'll I'll look into Venmo as well. That might only be American only. I'm not sure. I I have no idea. But thank you very much for asking, guys. So, once again, I. I, I do hate plugging it, but I, I'm also been told by other people that no, there's nothing wrong in attempting to earn money doing this stuff. Right. But it, it feels weird. You hate, you hate to beg, you know, I, I, you do, it feels weird having a donate button. It really does. Um, but, uh, well, you know, um, Elaine is saying, you know, Streamlabs takes a little percentage and that's true. Um, but you know, they're offering you a cool service, uh, and, and compared to something like, say you get, uh, say you get super chats. Um, and so here's the other thing, guys, originally the reason I made the Streamlab things is because I was going to start using it as a super chat so that if you wanted to make sure that your comment or question was dealt with immediately, you would send the Streamlab with a with a note, and I would go read that out loud. And so, if I do see that I'm getting Streamlab donations, leave me a note with a question, and I will deal with them in the next episode if it's offline, right? So, oh no. Don't call me, a, yeah. Don't call me a teacher, please. Oh, this is like the one subject I feel qualified to teach on, and I think that my pastor would agree with me on that. This is like my thing. So, if you have lordship questions, I'm. I feel like I, I'm adequate to answer them, but that's about it. Anyway, guys. Um. I am signing out. Ah, yeah, Venmo is not available in Canada yet, so that's too bad. But I know with um, with just going directly through PayPal, you can also do the friends and family thing, and because it's not a sales transaction, and so I believe that there's no. Uh, I don't think PayPal takes a cut on that either. But thank you, anyone who wants to help. I really appreciate it. I love you guys. I'm signing out. And I'm just going to play my little outro video. I will see you next week or possibly at the COVID passport rally, which I believe is Friday at three o'clock. I'm pretty sure my wife's going to want me to go to that one. So stay tuned for that. I'll post. And if I'm live, you'll see it on Facebook only because it just works better. <laughs>